0: hello and welcome to episode 45 of the far away nearby we have just recently celebrated mother's day and we're not too far off from the beginning of that season some call summer so won't you sit back relax and grab your favorite beverage and we'll get settled in so Joining me is my co-host, my partner in crime, the fair lady, the princess, Micah. Well, hello there. Hello, princess. How are you?
1: I am doing wonderful. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty all right. So I have to ask uh, your majesty the uh, the royal wedding has just taken place over there, in the uh, the land where the sun never sets. Mm-hmm. I I'm wondering, were you uh a- able to wake up in time? Um, you know, I overslept. I sent my regards though. Well, you know, princess's social schedule is uh, usually booked. Hmm. They- they need to contact you <laughs> in advance. I mean, did they not pay enough postage?
1: You know, they're kind of cheap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a shame that you didn't uh, get up in time there. Of course, I woke early to see hubby Billy off to work. And it was my intention to only sleep a, another hour or two. Because I don't like to wake up early on my day off. But he has trouble waking with an alarm these days and uh, well let's just say I didn't quite wake up with the alarm. So This is the part of our show where we uh, we catch up with one another and we talk about our weeks. This is our peaks and valleys. So Princess, you're the first up. What's new with you? What have you been up to?
1: Oh, um, this week I have been um, working a lot. I um, I met a gentleman, um, and I've been kind of spending some time with him. Oh, getting to know him.
0: Yeah, how's that um, working out so far?
1: Pretty good. Uh, he's a really nice guy, and I don't know. Uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, it's early on, um, the newness. Is fun. It's also fun, just kind of dating and seeing where things go. You know me. I like to be um, single and free, and we'll see if he can tame me. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been I've been doing that, and uh, as I t- I think I told you before, I have a little um, side business that I started. So I've uh, been working on that a lot, in addition to my regular job.
0: That the one that actually pays the bills. Right. Um, (laughs) Now that the Lord and the Lady have decided to set you free.
1: Yes, exactly. They cut the purse strings. um, And I have to, you know, make it. Um, But yeah, so I I picked up this um, opportunity um, and I'm really enjoying it so far. It's fun. It seems to be getting a pretty good reception. Um, I'm, you know, meeting new people. And uh, it's been really exciting. So, it's been an exciting week of like new newness and new opportunities and things. Um, or I should say, the last couple of weeks because I think it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded.
0: Right. Okay. So you're you're mm-hmm. keeping busy for what you have, and you're settling into some new routines now. Mm-hmm. If I'm assuming correctly, because I did a little snooping on my own, as <laughs> any good bestie should. Absolutely. Is this Gentleman Caller somebody that also ha- has little ones already in their life? Um, No, he does not. Oh, no. Okay. So I, I might be a page behind.
1: Yes. You were okay. snooping some past Gentleman, perhaps?
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, I need to pay my private eye a little bit more, I think.
1: I, I was going to say, I know I'm difficult to keep up with. Um, <laughs> but no, this this one does not have any... Any little ones.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so, as far as the last week or so, what would you say your highs and lows would be? Is there a favorite moment where you enjoyed yourself?
1: Yeah, I this past week, I would say probably the high was um, going to the Lilac Festival.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I went there earlier in the week um, and it was it was nice. I haven't been in years, it's an annual thing. That we have here in Oslo, and it's really nice because the lilacs don't stay around for long, um, but when they are in bloom, they're really pretty and they smell really lovely. Um, so I got to go there and I got my funnel cake, Ooh. which I love. Uh, that was my that was my main reason for going. Um, and then I had these. They had this one. Um, it was like meatballs in a cup. It was called, uh-huh. and they had um, little rigatoni's with it. And that was really yummy so I ate some good food and then there was um, a band that was playing and they were pretty cool and I met up with some friends. so I would definitely say that was the high of the week.
0: Uh, yes. what kind of music did the band play because as I as I recall I know that uh, or at least it's my impression that the lilac festival has a fair share of jazz musicians
1: um, they weren't jazz they they were more of like a rock band. They did some Grateful Dead. They were more of like a cover band.
0: Okay, so it was like classic rock. Yes. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Now, did the gentleman observe the cardinal rule? You don't touch the princess's funnel cake.
1: <laughs> you know he did. Oh well, he, he... he did not. Um, he did not touch my funnel cake. I offered, though. I I am good with sharing sometimes.
0: Well, that's um, cool, so
1: um but he that's... did not have mm-hmm. any of my funnel cake, so I had all to myself.
0: Well, that's good to know because that might. And I got
1: powdered sugar all over me.
0: Oh, so it was a good thing that uh, your gentleman caller knew enough not to uh, touch the funnel cake because that means he's got a better chance of sticking around for a little while. Yes. (laughs) We'll go ahead and switch uh, gears here and talk about my week. Yes. Okie So as some of you will know from listening to my solo show, Surely You jest, available at syjpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, I've had an interesting time the last week at the candy shop. We had a member of management team that had uh, planned to say a goodbye She was in a unique position that I, of course, was jealous of because uh, her slightly older husband was gearing up for retirement. And that meant, since she's an empty nester, that she is able to go down to working just part time. So, Mm. um, She'll be one of those elite few who gets to work just to occupy herself. Nice. You know, curly or pinky, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, join the elite few. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we said our goodbyes and we had a little party for her. And I did my best to uh, take part in that because we had an interesting start. I don't know that we got off on the wrong foot per se, but um, this person joined the candy shop just a couple of years after I started and we were about to move to another building. Uh, I've mentioned before that the candy shop is only in the practice of hiring when the company is going through an expansion or you know a change. Uh-huh. So this person was brought on to recruit a new training class and then they, they kind of um, molded her into a management role after that. Cause she had proved herself mm-hmm. So she became a supervisor and uh, this happened just as we moved into, well, the dump uh, the uh, couple of years after I started with the company and in that year, I uh, had gone through two bosses and I wasn't ready for a third. So I I basically said, please don't put me on this person's team. I've had enough. I can't handle the change. Mm. And I'm hoping they never took it personally because they ended up growing from a supervisor role to a manager role. And now, of course, uh, they're setting their sales for, uh, you know, Brighter Horizons, I guess. Mm hmm. Um, and I was a little disappointed because uh, a good friend of the princess in mine's uh, was in a position to take advantage of the opportunity, but um, they took their sweet ass time getting back to me and said, "I'm sorry, I'm busy. I want to be doing this, not that." And I just felt like, okay, well, thanks for nothing. We also had a moment at work personally that I mentioned on, on my solo show. Uh, we all have these moments in life where we are confronted with our weaknesses. And, of course, I've mentioned that Hubby and I have been in an effort to turn over a new leaf with, uh, you know, exploring healthier habits. Uh-huh. And you just get through these moments of stress in your life where you have to try to cope with things. And unfortunately, one of my means of coping, which I learned from my dearly departed dad, was to eat your feelings. Ah. And part of my dealing with the stress of the manager leaving at work, because where my desk is situated is right in front of the, the food area where we congregate. Uh, mm-hmm. i didn't want anything of the food that they were having because when you have an eating disorder it's a very private thing and so i waited until they were serving the cake and i snuck off to the break room during my break and i proceeded to stuff myself silly around the vending machine mm. and uh, of course you know that's that's a little bit more than falling off <laughs> wagon Uh and it didn't seem like all that long ago that i was within 15 or 20 pounds of being at my goal weight well that all went out the window because hubby has been suffering from the after effects of the bartonella Uh. he's trying to get back into the swing of things and so i've just used that as my excuse but um i am working on it i have made an effort to nip that in the bud I am leaving my debit card in my glove box <laughs> when I come to work, yeah. and I have never carried cash on me as it is. I'm not one of those people who will leave the building on my lunch break because that place is a time machine. Once you step outside the doors, before you blink, your hour is up, and if you're not careful, you're going to get written up for being late, so mm. I don't chance it. I keep my my debit card in my glove box and I only eat what I bring with me, which is certainly helping because the other day I made it to the gym for the first time in a few weeks and I was wiped out by the time it was ready for bedtime. And I'm not used to that, but if you think about it, that's actually the way it should be. We should be feeling wiped out and tired by the time it's ready to go to bed because otherwise, how do you know it's time to go to bed? Right, right. So if you are just stuffing yourself with sweets all day, that's going to screw with your metabolism. Uh-huh. And just the same way they say that a person should get, you know, seven to eight hours a day, if you're not getting it, your body feels those effects. So if you're stuffing yourself with snacks and sweets before bed, of course you're going to stay up well past your bedtime because your body is being tricked. Mm -hmm. So that's my lesson. And I would say probably the high point of my week was twofold. It was having lunch out with my mother-in-law last weekend and treating her because she's a wonderful lady that deserves better in life. And I uh, I feel privileged that I'm given the opportunity to reminder of that, mm-hmm. and uh, also my anniversary with hubby Billy. We just celebrated nine years from our first date, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll be going out to the movies tomorrow probably. Finally, seeing the Avengers movie, more so mm-hmm. to rip off the band aid because it's not really on the top of my list, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at least I'll be able to talk to others about it now.
1: <laughs> right. I think I'm actually going to see that tomorrow with a friend.
0: Oh, so we'll be able to chat about it soon. And, and of course, the low point was my moment of weakness at the vending machine. So mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and move on to better discussions now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unlike our other shows, the princess and I have decided to distract ourselves this week with some of the things that are going on in the world and all of it may not necessarily be relevant news, but it might be fun and weird. So uh, Princess, if, what have you picked out of the headlines of the world today?
1: As you know, I'm in recovery. I've been sober for um, more than a few years now. You know, there's lots of people suffering from addictions around us. I came across this article that I thought was kind of interesting. This was um the Seattle P.I. Who was Everett Mann and 27-year-old Pet McCall are inseparable. Some people turn to God to help with alcoholism. Some to AA. This guy. a parrot. So I had to, of course, check out this article and see what they were talking about. This story is about a man, he's an older gentleman, he's 57, and um, he has a boozy past. And he says that um, his parrot, he credits his parrot with um, helping him stay sober. And he says um, he got arrested for two DWIs uh, in four months. And he says that, uh, and this was three years ago from the time of this article. So he says the whole time he was in jail, he was thinking of nothing but his bird. How was she? Was she okay? I did not want to lose her. And he says that she's the key to his sobriety. Um, He says she straightened me up. I don't drink anymore, so we're good. Um, And I find this interesting just because um, for me, uh, my experience in recovery um, has been That a connection, you know, outside of yourself Mm -hmm. is helpful, um, whether it's, you know, to people with similar uh, afflictions or, you know, children, um, church, um, and I guess for him, a parrot, (laughs) Um, which I haven't heard that one yet, you know, whatever works. And he says that, um, you know, they, they kick back in his chair. He, he's a motorcycle rider, so she rides on his motorcycle with him. And he says that when he, when he got her, he thought that she was a boy, so he called her sale for 10 years until he went into a pet store and a lady actually identified her as a female, so now he calls her Sally. <laughs> um, and I guess she's pretty sassy. Uh, one of the neighbors was interviewed and was talking about how, I guess she curses a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everybody kind of, you know, when they're out and about people crowd around and, you know, want to, want to know what's up with the bird. But one of the things she says, she has a potty mouth. She goes, uh, Hey baby, show your girls. And I guess she uses the F word a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh my. (laughs) Since you've already mentioned that you're in recovery mm-hmm. and you have a fair share of friends who are also on that mm-hmm. journey, do you know anyone in your circle of friends that have a support animal like this gentleman?
1: Um, I do know people with like support dogs mm-hmm. for you know emotional issues, not necessarily related to the addiction, but as I'm sure you know, um, people. In that's not everybody, I I don't want to generalize, but not everybody that suffers from addiction necessarily has other issues, but a lot of people do. Um, I'd say the vast majority, whether it's, you know, PTSD, depression, um, bipolar, other mental health issues. So I do know people that do have uh, service animals for those reasons.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe what we're learning from experience is that as children, you know, you you grow up in a household and a lot of people will have early ties to having a pet. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, I guess if you want to think about it on the psychological level, as young persons entering into the world, some of our earliest impressions of whether somebody is trustworthy or not can be based on, the family pet. Right. So maybe if you found yourself wandering down a road in life that causes you to have issues of trust with people, maybe an animal is an ideal means of support. Because, you know, their, their love is unconditional in a sense.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people, whether, you know, they deal with any sort of addiction or not, um, anybody that's really an animal lover knows the love that you get from a pet, Whether it's, but whether it's, you know, a, a dog or cat or, you know, your pet lizard, whatever it may be. Like you said, it's that unconditional bond. It's an unconditional
0: love. One of the people who have talked about emotional support animals in our podcasting community is Miss Brenda Boo, who's a member of the Life on the Shit List podcast. podcast She's from the Pacific Northwest, and it's no secret that our West Coast counterparts often seem to be from a culture where they're a little more forward thinking and stuff like this. Yes. I I think that it partly has to do with that part of the country is exposed to seasonal affective disorder, you know, where people Mm -hmm. get depression from being indoors so many months out of the year with lack lack of sunlight and all the rain they supposedly have there. Mm -hmm. She has mentioned before the prevalence of support, emotional support animals in her community out there in the Pacific Northwest. And I don't know if you've noticed it in recent years, but I've been out and about in my day-to-day life here in Oslo. And it seems like more and more of the places I go have people who are just bringing their animals along with them. And I, I at first I thought it odd because you know, you don't go shopping in the, uh, the megalomart, And have your poodle with you when you're going to pick up the eggs for breakfast. Mm -hmm. I just thought that it was something where, unless you were a visually impaired person, Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: you needed to have some sort of a doctor's note to say that I'm allowed to have this animal with me. But I wouldn't be surprised if we look and see that there's probably perhaps a national movement to adopt this kind of acceptance? Because if you think about it, it's probably a hassle to have to drag out your doctor's note saying, you know, I, I need my poodle because I've had a hard life.
1: Right. From my understanding, there's two types. There's a service animal and then there's support animal. The service animals go through a different training, uh, whereas support animals from my understanding, don't have necessarily as much. So like somebody, say, who's blind, who has a seeing eye dog, that dog is is trained in a certain way versus somebody who suffers from PTSD that, you know, has their animal with them. Um, unfortunately, what I've seen and I know from personal experience is that people can literally go online And just print and just purchase, you know, service animal tags or a service animal vest and people that don't truly need that, they just want to have their dog with them because it's cute and it's fun Mm -hmm. and they see other people doing it, take advantage of that. Um, So my concern, I guess, with that is that it is becoming more widely accepted that people, you know, bring their animals with them um, because they have support. And I'm almost worried that it would go the other way where they would start maybe demanding more documentation or, you know, you'd have to purchase a certain type of, because I mean, you can, you could go online right now and just get some tags for your dog, you know, walk into a store and nobody can say anything to you. Now, I have had the experience of knowing a couple people who um, have been in an environment where there was a service animal uh, a support animal, excuse me. Not the person didn't necessarily need the animal um, to function, uh, and I knew the, the individual. I knew bo- both individuals. And the other person had a severe, severe fear of dogs. Okay. Okay. So then you get into the—I don't know if you call it a moral dilemma of, you know. So this person technically has a tag for their dog, which I know for a fact is not legitimate, but they feel that they have the right to bring their dog to this place where this other person is now affected. Um, and it's a safe place for, for both individuals, um, where this other person is now affected by their choice to bring their dog because they want to, you know, and so then you kind of get into this, you know or or even if you're at a restaurant you know some people not everybody likes animals not i mean animals you know and i i am a lover of animals but some people have fears some people have allergies um you know where does one person's right trump another's
0: right and i would have to wonder if i were somebody that ran an establishment maybe i'm the store manager mm-hmm. where do you draw the line you know, you're going to have to pick up after that animal mm-hmm. that hasn't been trained as a guide dog, for example, because they don't know that it's not okay to potty. Right, right. And, you know, what if you're shopping and two people who brought their support animals because they're not guide animals mm-hmm. don't have training mm-hmm. and they don't know that they're not supposed to attack?
1: Yes, and I've, I've seen that happen before.
0: If you like this show, head on over to VOG Network, the voice of geeks, where you'll find podcasts on subjects ranging from video gaming to nerd culture, like the long-running Orange Lounge Radio for all things gaming, and British Invaders for sci-fi produced across the pond. Over at VOGNetwork.com.
1: Wow, where you know you have two dogs, and neither one of them are properly trained. And they, you know, go after each other. Um, So it's, it it really is causing quite a problem. So if anybody's listening to this and you don't absolutely need to bring your dog with you, please don't.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, I I would like to take a moment to say that I am very happy to hear that uh, Miss Brenda Boo uh, had an addition to her life not long ago. She adopted a Siamese kitty cat into her life. Mm -hmm. It's no secret that Miss Brenda has uh, felt some sadness because she moved out to the Pacific Northwest after a divorce and has had some challenges with starting over. And now she has this little ball of love that she is earning the trust of because, uh, as she put it herself, uh, it's such a easy thing to go into pet ownership thinking that you're the dominant one, that you're the person whose life is being inconvenienced, but she put herself in the kitty cat situation and realized Mm -hmm. this person's had their life uprooted and they're starting over. Why should they have any reason to trust me before I've earned it? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: It's very heartwarming to see the pictures of Miss Brenda Mm -hmm. and her kitty cat tally who is just a little ball of love. And whether it's a person or it's just another creature that relies upon you, we all deserve love. And I'm happy to hear that Brenda has found it. Mm. So That's awesome. Congratulations, Brenda. Let's see here. So I'm going to go ahead and read my story. So from uh, uh, learning about... Emotional support animals. Mm-hmm. We move on to a story that comes to us from the United Kingdom. Now, this is a story that I pulled from a uh, source called Metro. And their tagline is news, but not as you know it. Mm-hmm. And this particular headline says firefighters receive training in removing butt plugs and penis things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a moment of levity if you will in yeah. fact this story was featured recently on metro and uh, although it is the united kingdom source uh, it takes place in germany so i guess our folks across the pond they're like to distract themselves every now and then with what's going on in the rest of the world and Germany just being a stone's throw away of course is probably a convenient distraction so mm-hmm. uh firefighters have to prepare prepare themselves for some pretty hairy situations well, over in Germany, they're doing exactly that. It's all down to the love of butt plugs and penis rings in that country, which is <laughs> fire firefighters in high demand. Oh, my goodness. Oh my. So because every so often the sex toys get a little too attached to their owners and require urgent removal. But getting rid of a stuck penis ring or butt plug is no easy task. It requires delicate care and attention.
1: I would think so. It's a very sensitive area.
0: Yes. Now I'm not sure if you've caught it, but there's a fair share of reality programs out there, and there's one in particular called "Sex Sent Me to the ER." Have you caught this? No. Oh, is it
1: a TV show?
0: Yes. I want to say. Oh
1: my gosh! Oh, no, I gotta watch
0: it. Yeah, you probably can find it on Hulu. I'm guessing, mm. but it's it's one of those. I think maybe Learning Channel or Discovery Channel shows, mm-hmm. and. It's always about awkward situations couples find themselves in when they decide to get a little um, inventive. Okay. This particular story, anyways, going back to the article, it says that it, it means firefighters have to be trained properly before they can tackle such an emergency. At a seminar for 600 firefighters in Dresden, East Germany, firefighters learned exactly that and it says imagine or images from the course show trainees around a dummy with a lifelike dildo emerging through a heat shield blanket on this occasion a penis ring was trapped on the shaft of the dummy's manhood and then of course it goes on there is a quote here trainee Matthias <laughs> Lenick 36 years old said the training is not fun for us but rather requires the utmost concentration the patient isn't enough pain after all. (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, uh, having watched that sex sent me to the ER, Uh I I can't imagine the awkwardness and the embarrassment of being in such a situation where, you know, you, you have to rely upon uh, emergency personnel to intervene. Now, not getting too personal, but do you know of anyone or have you heard of any stories with somebody who has needed help? Maybe not in an intimate setting, but, you know, gotten to an embarrassing situation where they ended up calling for help?
1: Um, You know, I have heard stories um, and seen like TV programs and things like that. But luckily, I don't know anybody personally that has had any of those issues um i know like i've seen there was one story a long time ago where a man got his um penis stuck in a swimming pool Mm -hmm. um suction thingy oh
0: okay yeah i
1: don't know if you ever heard about that one and you know um well rescuers had to be called for that
0: yeah, because I, I know depending on the side that your bread's buttered on, mm-hmm. you might be seeking out one side of the pool versus another. Because, <laughs> you know, one side of the pool brings the water in and there's a jet that mm-hmm. you I, 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 and potentially be pleasuring yourself with. And then, of course, there's the the exit of the pool, too. So, <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. So, so a gentleman got himself caught in that huh? uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. and i've
1: heard i've heard uh, stories and seen like um, i can't think of the medical show but you know people putting all sorts of strange things up there but
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. this this article also mentions later on that uh, they they've had issues reported where somebody might have had a piece of fruit involved that was uh, a little ambitious oh my goodness So I I mean, uh, it's not on the intimate note of things, but there is a story in my family where yours truly got into a little bit of a pinch when I was a wee one, (laughs) and uh, the fire department had to be called basically when I was about five or six. Of course, when children are that young, um, there's a stereotype if you're a little girl, you're supposed to be liking little tea sets and tea parties, of course. I received either for birthday or Christmas, because my birthday's in January, so it's hard to remember that early what the occasion was, but I received a little table and chair set, and you know that's that's supposed to encourage you to have your friends over and maybe to play games, or I don't know if maybe it was just a table for me to have of my own because it was mm-hmm. child sized, so that I would have for my coloring books. But uh, when I was a child, I received this this uh, child sized table and chair. The back of the chair had little metal slats on it, mm. and. supposedly according to my siblings i got a little ambitious or inventive playing around with my table and chair set and i got my head caught between the slats of the chair so apparently the fire department had to be called because my head had to be unwedged
1: Oh Wow. That actually reminds me of when I was probably about five or six, I was learning how to ride a bike and um, with my friend and somehow I bumped into her and her ankle got stuck in the, um, in the pedal uh-huh. of the bike. And I know she had to go to like emergency and think like her ankle was sprained or something like that. And I felt so horrible. You know, I was like, like I said, maybe five or six. And, you know, obviously it was an accident and nobody was mad at me, but um, yeah, it just reminded me
0: of that. So, so you, would you consider yourself the klutz or your friend?
1: Oh, I'm definitely the klutz. I, you know, these days I pretty much stick to only injuring myself, but God forbid anyone get caught up in my crossfire.
0: I don't know if maybe that was a foreshadowing of things to come because... I mean if you think about it a little boy did something to cause the firemen to come. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as I was just saying to a dear sweet friend back in the Mile High City, a uh, shout out to my friend Jeff who's recently been on a uh, a journey of bettering himself and he he had a um a uh, weight loss surgery. Uh he has been posting some pictures of just some really good looking food. And apparently he's found himself uh, with quite a skill in the kitchen Mm. and to, to make him feel better about things. I made a comment to him about how good the food looked. And since I know he's single, I said that, you know, if anyone's following you, you're probably going to get a, uh, an Instagram stalker hubby to be. Mm. (laughs) And he, he, he said so far, he hasn't had any biters. And I said, well, Maybe if you burn something, the firemen will come. <laughs> right? <laughs> this
1: article is coming out of Washington. Looks like it's an NBC Channel 4 local um, station. The article, though, is a uh, racial slur written on Starbucks cup for Hispanic customer. This was uh, a gentleman named Pedro, uh, who asked not to be identified by his la- last name, But he says that um, he paid his order with cash and um, the barista manually, the baristas manually insert a customer's name for the order Mm -hmm. when it's given as a cash payment. So, um, you know, that just kind of made him think that it was no accident. And, you know, of course, the company says that that's not the experience that they want for their clients. We asked for, for his forgiveness and we're working to correct this. Um, and like I said before, you know, he was offered a $50 gift card, um, but he did not accept it because it was an insult, Mm -hmm. um, overall. And as we previously discussed too, Starbucks is facing the nationwide outrage, um, after the video showed of two black men being arrested by police, um, soon after their arrival.
0: So from what you're saying, whenever a cash payment is made, the store employee inserts a name to identify the customer. Correct. And they wrote a racial slur out as their name.
1: Correct. It looks like it's it must be generated from the computer, because it has the the picture that's attached with it, has you know the customer's order, um, the item, the items in the order, and it has the name of Beaner. It's the only mention of the specific employee is that it says that the barista believed to be responsible for writing the slur uh, at the location is said to be in her 20s. And um, he is expected to, this customer is expected to meet with um, one of the location's employees on Thursday, although they're unsure of what will come out of it. And he hopes that the barista will face consequences. And... Uh, it also mentions that Starbucks is planning to close its stores on May 29th for racial bias training. And this article was written on May 17th. So it's recent, okay. just a couple days ago.
0: Hmm. So I, I know that as a result of the, the uh, incident that brought Starbucks into the news most recently, and I want to say that that one was on the East Coast. I think it was Philadelphia, if I'm right. I believe so. I believe you're correct. So in that uh, initial incident, there were, there were a couple of, well, I don't know if it was a couple, but it was a gathering of people, of friends who happened to be black. Mm-hmm. And the uh, situation during that scenario was that they were meeting a friend, but maybe weren't customers yet. They they hadn't purchased anything. Right. And so that's what um, provoked the incident that occurred then when you're a national chain like that mm-hmm. it's easy to be in the headlines because you have a name that's on people's you know lips right so i'm uh i know that since the incident in philadelphia i think that company-wide starbucks is adopting a new restroom policy in maybe some of their smaller stores, possibly, and it's going to go back to the way that like gas stations used to be, in, like the '70s, where maybe um, the restrooms were locked and mm. you had to ask for the key. Okay. A little insight to the background on this. Of course, it's no secret that my husband Billy works in retail. Hubby Billy has told me that this is a. A growing problem in a lot of retail situations because, especially in inner cities, regardless of a person's ethnicity, there are problems in larger cities where people are sneaking off to the bathroom to do drugs, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, no matter what a person's background is, if you're going into a store, especially if you haven't done business in that store, you're not a paying customer they have reason to suspect something's going on in those places that are out of view. So, Mm. um, you know, although it can be considered rather, I guess, shady when you, when, uh, when your staff treats people differently based upon the customer's ethnicity, uh, it's, it's a growing problem around the world that uh you got people coming into your business and suddenly you're liable wh- for what goes on i mean uh-huh. what, if, what if you've got uh, a person that has abducted a child and suddenly they're you know close off in your bathroom right. you've got an obligation to call you know the authorities right. and so i guess it's just another way for them to keep track of who's on their premises is that right. now now we're going to lock our bathrooms and you don't have to buy anything, but you got to ask for the key.
1: Right. And I, I have noticed, um, I actually just went to Starbucks yesterday and um, I live where I live. It's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a main road. It's a main street in Oslo. Anybody can walk in off the street at this Starbucks and use the restroom. They don't have it locked. There's nothing. And I've noticed that at most like restaurants or um, things like that, like a Dunkin Donuts or, you know, McDonald's, things like that, excuse me, the restrooms are usually fairly accessible, which kind of in, I mean, Philadelphia is a big city compared to Oslo. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of makes me wonder like why it would even be an issue in the, like, what would have, I, there's still some unanswered questions yeah. that are maybe out there now that it's been several weeks, but I'm kind of curious because at least in my experience around here, um, not so much with retail stores um, like Grace Brothers or, you know, the the bathrooms aren't as easily accessible as someone who frequently needs to use them when I'm out, because Mm -hmm. I I drink a lot of water and coffee. Um, So with places like that, very rarely, sometimes gas stations, I've noticed, um, do require you to use a key. But I, you know, I do understand as well, the need, especially with the opioid uh, epidemic that's going on, to kind of monitor like who's going into the bathroom. And, you know, it, it kind of almost surprised me that the bathrooms were so easily accessible. Yeah. Um, Especially, like I said, in the area that I live in,
0: mm -hmm. I I guess it's just something that's changed over the years. Cause I remember when I was quite little, when on the rare occasions that I would travel with family, it used to be no matter where you went, if it was a gas station, you had to get the key for the bathroom. Mm -hmm. and then of course i'm sure it became a hassle so they just left those places open but i mean um hubby billy would tell you that um people's manners in general these days are somewhat deplorable because um, i'm sure (laughs) you know especially in a in a retail setting people don't put things back Mm -hmm. after they've taken them off a shelf they just think well that's what the help is for. They'll clean up after me. Mm-hmm. The, these places like Grace Brothers don't have 50, 60 people going around with brooms. Right. They're lucky if they've got 12 people and half of them are supposed to be watching to make sure somebody is not sneaking something into their purse or their bag or something. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, so, you know, they're they're, they're going to ha- have a hard time Making sure that they picked up from that uh, coffee cup that you left on the shelf or whatever.
1: Right. I have um, one of my exes worked at a big box store, and you know he told me quite a few stories and the lengths that people will go to, you know, to steal things is pretty incredible. Um I know there was an incident. There was a ring of gentlemen stealing like software mm-hmm. and they had the bags lined with something that would make it so that when they left it wouldn't beep uh, on the way out.
0: Yeah, you know what probably it was? A snack food bag, a potato chip. Ah, uh, mhm. It was lined with foil. Oh, okay. And so that's probably what those kids were using mm-hmm. for, was like a, a, a chip bag or something. Mm-hmm. You know, Hubby has mentioned that at Grace Brothers, they'll have their fair share of customers who think that they're entitled to discounts mm-hmm. and, you know, they think they can find it cheaper somewhere else, although they don't understand, uh, you know, retail pricing. They'll say, oh, I can get this better, you know, somewhere else. It's like, well, why do you bother coming in here? Right, Exactly and they'll take it out on the employees they will actually go into a dressing room and they will use the dressing room as if it were a bathroom
1: oh my god
0: just i don't know i know that it's going to be unpopular of me to say but there are some parents out there that need to exercise some authority yes <laughs> and that coming from somebody who doesn't have any children but that's neither here nor in here as they say right
1: right
0: so the last story that i'm going to talk about comes from a site called the gothamist kind of like mm-hmm. um the city where batman's from mm-hmm. so it's the gothamist or uh, gothamist.com and this story is see new york city's most adorable predators, the baby peregrine falcons at 55 Water Street. So the story goes on to say, did you know that the city is putting up 21 families rent-free in some of the priciest neighborhoods in custom-made homes with jaw-dropping views? Well, that's where the story turns. The only catch is that they are filmed 24-7, and maybe the other catch is that these are families of peregrine falcons, those striking birds of prey. (laughs) So it, uh, of course, up to that point, you think it's a reality show, mm-hmm. but you know we're we're all just animals on parade, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it says the pa- peregrine falcons have been listed as endangered in New York City or in New York since 1992. New York City Police Department, uh, or sorry, New York City Department of Environmental Protection and the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation have been working to restore the species by implementing peregrine nesting sites on tall buildings and bridges around the city, which resemble the cliffs where falcons lay eggs in the wild. And there's a source so you can see the streaming video. When the program started, there was just one falcon pair in New York City. Now there are 21. And the quote is, the number is slowly and steadily rising. It's very adorable to see baby animals. Mm. and That's one of my guilty pleasures is, you know, when when uh, there's a little too much dark and negative in the world, seeing pictures of baby animals can always cheer mm-hmm. me up.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know if you have ever noticed it because you and I work in different parts of Oslo. Mm. But there is a very distinct building in downtown Oslo that has a very prominent architecture feature on the roof. It used to be home to the newspaper. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard the stories, but apparently there are some birds of prey that call that area home.
1: Okay. Now
0: I don't know that they're necessarily an endangered species, but you know a lot of those birds, like eagles and falcons. Are, um, are protected status nowadays because people hunted them not long ago because, you know, when, when you see them, they're very intimidating. So, of course, oh, my goodness, boom, 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 my life was in danger. Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something they've even joked about on South Park. You know, it's okay to shoot your gun off so long as you say, oh, my God, a bear.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Well, it was good to check in with you, Princess. And, uh, you know, we, we've got another holiday coming up around the corner. Of course, we have the holiday dedicated to the men and women who've served in the Armed Forces Memorial Day is just around the corner. And then we, of course, also have Father's Day shortly after that. So we, uh, we will certainly have a tribute to either one of those coming up soon here
1: thank you for listening to the far away nearby you can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts find our fan page on facebook and our companion blog on tumblr email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com tweet us at tfndj and text or leave a message at 720-230-6919